Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning, 8.30 on Wall Street. I'm Michael McKee, along with Tom Keene. Our economic indicators are brought to you by Commonwealth Financial Network. When it's time to change the conversation, talk with a broker-dealer, RIA, that's ready to listen. Call 866-462-3638 or visit Commonwealth.com to learn more. No 8.30 numbers this morning. However, we have a host of numbers at 10 o'clock, including the Fed's Labor Market Conditions Index, which incorporates the number of unemployed in various categories. Yeah. Danny Blanchflower will be looking at that. Factory orders are out and durable goods, which is interesting. Uh, it's a subcategory of factory orders, so we get an update on durable mm-hmm. goods. And we also have two Fed speakers today, Eric Rosengren at 9.30 yeah. and Neil Kashkari at uh, 7 o'clock tonight on their town hall on Too Big to Fail. Yeah. And, and uh, we'll get to this in a moment. I know you've got an esteemed guest. I, I first want to uh, mention, Mike, Ian Bremmer publishes his first comments on this Panama uproar. This is 11 million doc- documents. Dr. Bremmer calls it a thousand times bigger than WikiLeaks. And just a quick summary. If this is as close to as big as I suspect it is, we'll be writing about the geopolitical implications for years. That for me, yeah, he was uh, he was all over Twitter with that observation yesterday, yeah. n- noting how many uh, world leaders and countries yeah. are involved in this. Uh, fascinating. Uh, John Tucker uh, looking can... down. John Tucker looking down right now. Hiding, I am not hiding, on the list. Hiding his <laughs> I have no assets I, to his hide. Assets. <laughs> we saw that photo's Panama. That book you had. <laughs> I think there's a song about a yeah. girl named Panama. Yeah. All right, let's bring in Scott Brown now. He's Senior Vice President, Chief Economist at Raymond James and Associates. He's uh, down in Tampa where they are uh, so beyond the NCAA basketball tournament. It's baseball season. They have already opened the season. Unfortunately, the Tampa Bay Rays yeah. lose to the Blue Jays yesterday. Uh, but other than that, sunny skies down there, optimism about the economy and uh, how things are going? Yeah, the weather's been really nice. Had a uh, really nice Sunday. Uh, always tough to come in, in to work on Monday. Yeah, that's um, but you know, Florida, you know, the economy is doing pretty well down here. The um, the economy, uh, stupid, is the of course uh, mantra of those involved in uh, politics and elections. And I note that you had a candidate in the Republican campaign from Florida. You have a Senate race to uh, fill that seat. Uh, in, in general, how do people feel about the economy and where it's going from here? Well, I think, you know, it's, it's reflective of, of the nation as a whole down here. The, um, you've got uh, a certain portion of the population done done very well. We've seen, you know, pretty good recovery in the job market here. Home prices are rising. Um, but you still have a lot of people that are worried about, uh, you know, uh, where they stand in the economy. They ne- may not necessarily have uh, participated in, in the, you know, the full sense of the, of the economic recovery. So there's still, you know, a bit of a sense of malaise for, for those at the lower end of the income scale. Um, I don't think that's too unusual. Well, when you talk to people around the country, and I've been traveling for the last uh, Ten days or so, I mean, you get the sense everybody, like Sally Krawcheck told us earlier today, business is pretty good for, for her company and, and the people she talks to, and yet there's a lack of confidence in the future. Is that the, kind of the, the, the feeling you get? 
Uh, yeah, there is that, that sense of unease. Um, certainly, you know, the, the global news over the last six months or so have, have contributed that. Uh, obviously the, uh, um, the election cycle here, um, you know, there's a lot of, of, of just nasty rhetoric about the economy, about how horrible things are. Um, you know, I've got approached by a Trump supporter saying, oh yeah, he's going to bring jobs back. And I, you know, do you realize we've added more than five and a half million jobs just in the last two years alone? So there's, there's you know, People just don't appreciate that. Um, and again, I think it's because a lot of people are left behind. But this happens in, in every economic recovery. Uh, perceptions are slow to change. And then this was obviously a very, very severe recession. So it's still going to be some time, I think, before we get that really sense that, that things are firing in all cylinders. What What is a global recession? How do you measure that, Scott Brown? Well, the IMF is uh, well, I, I'll tell you that IMF used to, to describe it as 3% GDP growth because you've got a lot of countries that are growing very rapidly around the world, smaller emerging economies. Uh, it's now sort of viewed as uh, you know maybe 3% uh, adjusted for population growth, so that's maybe a, a bit lower. But you know, there's a sense when you look around the world um, that even you know whether or not we're, we're seeing a decline in global activity, that doesn't seem likely. But it is subpar. Um, you know, China obviously is going through a major transition in, the, in its ex- economic structure. Uh, Latin America, particularly Brazil, is having a very hard time. Europe is sort of struggling. And, you know, we're bouncing around here. You know, we're going to have some soft quarters. It lo- does look like the you know, first quarter GDP numbers are going to be a lot softer than we hope to see. But I think a lot of that is just the, the, the arithmetic, the way the ball bounces, where the numbers lie. Uh, and we should see, uh, you know, somewhat of a pickup in, in, uh, in the th- second quarter and the second half of the year. The, uh, the lack of confidence you see, and you only have about 30 seconds here, but uh, then we'll come back. Uh, does it translate into the people who call Raven James to invest? Are people still investing very cautiously? <laughs> I, yeah, I think so. Like, there's a sense of nervousness out there. Um, people are sort of uh, confused by all the news reports. Um, you know, you're bouncing around in terms of what the Fed's going to do. You're worried about what's going on in the rest of the world. Uh, and there's not a, a real clear sense. And, you know, that, you know, it feeds through the general public, but it also feeds all the way through to policymakers. You know, we're going to get those uh, FMC uh, minutes on, on Wednesday. And one of the key elements, I think, people are going to be looking for the dispersion of, of Fed official opinions. And I think the real key is going to be, well, what, what do they see about this, this uncertainty that's going on now? What do they see about the balance of risk? I think that's going to be important. Scott Brown is uh, chief economist at Raymond James. In Tampa. He's going to come back. We're going to fine-tune this. I particularly want to talk to him about trade dynamics. And you really need to fold that into uh, an analysis of what we're doing or what the U.S. is doing, of course, what it means back over uh, into markets as well. Futures churning a little bit of a lift. Futures up to. All right, let's check in with Michael Barr now and get the latest world and national headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. A well-known restaurant popular with Shiite paramilitary militia fighters took the brunt of a wave of suicide attacks in Iraq today. Fourteen people were killed in that blast. Three other attacks brought the overall death toll to at least 29. Iraqi forces, backed by a U.S.-led coalition, have advanced against the Islamic State, but the extremists have struck back with bombings targeting civilians. House Speaker Paul Ryan is in Israel. Ryan, on his first trip abroad as Speaker, told members of Parliament it was important for him to come to Jerusalem to reinforce strong ties between the U.S. and Israel. 
Ryan also met with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton says she is starting to focus her campaign more on the Republican presidential candidates and less on her differences with rival Bernie Sanders. Clinton spoke on ABC's Good Morning America. I'm going to keep standing up to Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, or anybody else who are saying things that are so contrary to who we are. That gets to my last test. Can you unify the country, or do you want to divide us even more than we already are? Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? Thank you, Michael. Time now for the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. And for that, we bring in John Stashower. John? Mike, we just got word that the Yankee opener today at the stadium against Houston has been postponed. Bad weather, so no game today. They will instead start the season tomorrow. Mets started the season last night in Kansas City. Royals beat them in the World Series last fall, beat them last night. 4-3, Edison Volk has six scoreless innings. Lucas Duda had a two-run single in a three-run eighth inning. The Mets had two on in the ninth, but David Wright, Yuenna Cespedes struck out. Cespedes also dropped a routine fly ball in the first inning that led to a KC run. Mets manager. Terry you know, early in the game, we made Volquez really work. He, had, he got his pitch count up pretty high early, and, uh, we, you know, we just couldn't put a, uh, you know, big hit on the board. But late in the game against that bullpen they've got, uh, those, were, those were very good at bats. Home losses for the Knicks and Nets at the Garden. Indiana won the second quarter, 36-18. They held on at the end, 92-87. to In Brooklyn, all New Orleans, 106-87 over the Nets. UConn women, one win from an 11th NCAA championship, fourth in a row. The usual upset, 80, a uh, usual uh, Blowout, I should say, 80-51 to 51 over Oregon State. UConn's 74th straight win, all of them by double digits. Syracuse beat Washington. Title games tomorrow night. And the men play tonight in Houston. North Carolina going for its sixth-ever championship. The only other one for Villanova was as the Cinderella upsetting Georgetown back in 1985. With Bloomberg NBC Sports Update, I'm John Ketchup. John, thank you so much. I've got UNC in the final, uh, Michael McKee, the final bracket. I've got, I, I went with a low number of points, 112, which I don't think will be. No, well, that would require, you know, both teams are scoring the 50s. So I'm, I'm going with 150, which gives them each, you know, in the yeah. 70s, something like that. I should also point out, as I have UNC in the final bracket, I have had, I, it was sweet one for me. I had 15 yeah. wrong. <laughs> Uh, here's a note on inflation, um, and we're talking about baseball. MLB yeah. Live, you know, the service where you can watch all the games. Yeah. Back this year, $20 cheaper for the same thing That's you got last really year. That's a really interesting, yeah. interesting development. And, you know, you wonder about disinflationary numbers. That That's not a bad thing for the economy, but it pushes down we, on the inflation. We, we need to talk about that. That's important. Bloomberg Surveillance, stay with us, please. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Witham, Smith & Brown, CPAs, audit, tax, and advisory services to help your business be in a position of strength. Experience the Witham way by visiting Witham.com. The Blo- Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update is brought to you by Eisner Amper, Hedgeweek, Institutional Investor, All Credit Intelligence. Fund managers reading these publications rank Eisner Amper high for excellence in client service. Find out why. EisnerAmper.com slash excellence. Stocks are rising along with U.S. stock index futures amid optimism central banks will continue to support the global economy. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures up two and a half points. Dow E-mini futures up nine. NASDAQ 
Nasdaq E-mini futures up two and a half. The DAX in Germany is up six tenths percent. Ten-year Treasury little change yield one point seven six percent. Nymex crude oil down four tenths percent or fifteen cents to thirty six sixty three a barrel. Comex gold is little change down ninety cents to twelve twenty two seventy an ounce. The euro a dollar thirteen ninety eight. The yen one eleven point four five. Westlake Chemical says it will start a proxy battle for control of Axial Corporation after the company rejected a revised takeover bid of twenty three dollars thirty five cents a share. And Alaska Air Group agreed to buy Virgin America for two point six billion dollars. Virgin's up almost forty percent in early trading. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, uh, thank you so much. As we begin the second quarter, it is eight forty eight on Wall Street. The following is from Bloomberg View. Opinions and commentary from Bloomberg columnists. I'm Mark Whitehouse, an editor at Bloomberg View. Anyone wondering why so many white, middle-aged men are drawn to anti-establishment rhetoric of the Donald Trump variety should take a look at the latest jobs report. They're still having a hard time getting back to work. On average, over the three months through March, 86% of white men between the ages of 25 and 54 were employed. That might sound like a lot, but it's actually 2.3 percentage points, or about 1.1 million jobs, short of the pre-recession level, a larger shortfall than for any other mix of gender and race. The malaise goes beyond the political. If all those prime-age workers don't get back into the labor force, their absence could permanently impair the economy's ability to grow. Some economists think more stimulus could help. Others think that the motivation-sapping effects of long-term unemployment, among other things, will keep the labor participation rate down. Whatever happens, this is a demographic group to be reckoned with. The more they feel left behind, the stranger U.S. politics may become. I'm Mark Whitehouse, an editor at Bloomberg View. For more Bloomberg opinion and commentary, please go to BloombergView.com or view go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg View. Uh, Bloomberg View commentaries can be heard hourly weekdays on Bloomberg News and Bloomberg Radio. Michael, this is outrageous if Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos had a little bit of snow, they, they would, would have played. They would have played, yes. No question about <laughs> it. This, however, being baseball. Uh, bad news for all of you on Wall Street with Yankees opening day tickets. You're going to have to work today. You have to figure out how it works uh, with getting out of the office tomorrow. The game's been postponed. The Yankees making it official. The weather forecast, just too bad. Going to rain and sleet all day. Tomorrow, weather's supposed to be in the 40s and sunny. Should be nice, so they will uh, take on the Astros tomorrow afternoon. Tom, uh, no word yet on the Red Sox. They are opening the season this afternoon in Cleveland, where there is a forecast for yeah. rain and sleet. However, the game not till 4 p.m. Eastern, right. so maybe they get it. Yeah. You know, it goes beyond. Uh, they get past the weather. I got to get a map out. Is Cleveland souther than New York? Cleveland is souther than New York. Yes. Really? Yeah. I think maybe so. it is. Well, well look, it's a good question. I'd like to know that Zip over at ESPN uh, has the Red Sox uh, with a 4.8 percent likelihood to win the World Series, distancing the Yankees at 3.4 percent. I think that's funny. Yeah. Well, uh, oh, man, any Cleveland is slightly uh, north of New York. We're being informed. Uh, why are you telling See, us? Sli- that's, you don't think of that. I mean, why you is just a font of of, of knowledge. But that's why we it's hire just, these young college kids so they can teach yeah. us things. He knows the entire alphabet, including Google search. Yeah. Well, uh, there we are. Good we, morning, Michael. Good to have you back. Who do we have with us right now? Oh, we're talking with Scott Brown, who is definitely south of us and not worried about yes. whether it's going to rain 
or not today. And they wouldn't worry anyways because, of course, the Rays play indoors. Um, when we had the jobs report, Scott, uh, over the weekend, the uh, uh, Friday, well, we'll call that the weekend, um, it wasn't bad. Uh, you know, overall, um, and, and you mentioned the fact that people don't seem to realize that um, things are going reasonably well. But if they don't, and if companies are so uncertain about what's going on out there, why do they keep hiring? That's a good question. Um, you know, we've we've often feared that uh, you know fears of recession could become self fulfilling. Uh, and with businesses, they do have to act in terms of capital spending. But capital spending is, is a much bigger you know thought. Than, than just hiring somebody. Um, I mean, there are training costs with with, uh, with hiring a new worker, but uh, it's typically much easier to let them go. If you buy, uh, you know, a new machine or you know, new, uh, new plant capacity, then you're still stuck with that if the economy does slow. So. Uh, it, it's an odd mix where you know uh, capital investment certainly is trending softly down at this point, uh, but the hiring is still going strong. Uh, a lot of that strength is coming from um, younger firms, new firms, uh, you know, small, medium-sized firms, and that's really important because we we look, really look to those firms to account for much of the job growth during an economic expansion. So it's it's all very healthy. That's a, a good question or a good point because. Uh you're saying that we are seeing the kind of entrepreneurs that we need to see, which suggests they can get funding uh, and they can get started and they have ideas and they're hiring. Yeah, I mean, one of the big stories that we had during this recession was a, a, a real tightening in credit to small businesses. Uh, and during the, the housing boom, if you wanted to start your own business, you went to your bank, you gave them your credit score, you pledged your house as collateral, and it was almost that easy to get a business loan. And now, certainly, you know, they want a lot more than your credit score. They want to see your business plan, and they certainly don't want your house as collateral anymore. So that business formation has been very, very slow to recover, but it has been picking up gradually, and credit is getting, you know, gradually. It's still relatively tight for small firms, but it is getting gradually better, uh, and, you know, you're really seeing that, that expansion. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, sort of the great success of the American economy is we always reinvent right. ourselves. Well, I like the idea of creative destruction. Let me bring it over to the creative destruction world trade. This is something we've emphasized on surveillance for three, four weeks. I see all of a sudden a huge pickup. How do you fold into your analysis the and I'm using this in a media sense, the quote unquote collapse of trade. Is it tangible? Is it secondary? Do you bundle it all in and say, forget about it? How do you deal with that? Well, the month-to-month numbers are going to drive you crazy because there's a lot of variation from month-to-month, so you kind of want to look at the trends. And the trends over the last year, it's kind of actually interesting. Um, you know, you're looking at, um, you know, a drop in trade activity, but it's mostly prices rather than quantity. I mean, we're, we're uh, importing um, more stuff, but we're also paying a lot less for that stuff. So imports have been, been flat or even down slightly in nominal terms. And then if you look at exports, well, we export a lot of, of agriculture culture goods, we export a lot of raw materials, and those prices are down substantially, um, and that's where a lot of the weakness is, and, um, so it's more of a price issue than, than a quantity issue for, for a lot of the experts. Okay, this is critical, folks. With the partial differentiator here, you're telling me price movement is overwhelming a better unit story? 
I, I think so. I think you, as, you, as you look through the, the detailed numbers um, and, um, you know, the drop in exports, again, a lot of that is, is agriculture, the fact that the farm prices are, are a lot lower, um, and raw materials. It's just, it's just that whole collapse in the raw materials because we, we import a lot of raw materials, but we also export raw materials. Great. That was really intelligent. Scott Brown, thank you so much, Raymond James. Really appreciate that. And um, this is something, this is a theme that everybody's picking up on is the analysis of foreign trade and how, Mike, that folds into the next Fed meeting, how it folds into what Atlanta GDP now is doing, how it folds in really to the market enthusiasm, uh, given what we heard from Chair, Le- Chair Yellen at the Economic Club of New York. Mike, did you go to the lunch of the Economic Club of New York? I did not. This is what vacations you did. Worst hotel lunch ever. Took wow. the, we'll leave the hotel did, name out what, of it. What did you have to eat? I didn't eat. I, it was, it was, so it was it How took, do you know it was bad then? I, I could just, you looked at it and you just, I mean, the salad was from Easter. Um, Stephen Morris, no, not the guitar player. Stephen Morris in San Francisco, Stephen P. Morris, has the greatest calculator on the Internet, Mike, of calculating latitude in degrees and minutes. Uh-huh. New York City, as the crow flies, is 47.1 miles south of Cleveland. There you go. And I didn't know we that. Didn't it's know 76 that. kilometers. But I, you know, figured it out. I think that's right. Don't hold me to it. We did. It, it's, it's, it's like one latitude degree. And it's, to be honest, YU, it's not even one degree. It's like, it's like 58 minutes or, you know, seconds or whatever they do. But they got a calculator here. You could do anything on the Internet except tie a bow tie. That's amazing. Well, I guess uh, clearly if New York is, is that far south, we need to wear sunscreen today, even though it's snowing. But Cleveland is, is, is yeah, you New really York is southier than more. Cleveland. You really do. Southier than Cleveland. Southier. Yeah. There's, and there's a, a lot of those. wide world out there of all sorts of like, interesting things. Because of elliptical Earth, spherical geometry, when we think we're looking out to Portugal, no. on a spherical basis, we're like looking at... You know, they're waving back from the west coast of Africa or something. Explain this to me. Why is the Mediterranean so warm and everybody goes to the Mediterranean when it's north of us? See, it's called the Gulf wisdom? Stream, I believe. Is that what it is? Yes. Somebody out there knows and will send me a scathing tweet about how stupid I am. Where else, folks, can you get geometry and XYZ space spherical geometry besides Bloomberg surveillance? <laughs> 